Yeah, it's going to be a good morning, everybody. We're going to make it. Um, well, like I said, I've had the privilege of actually being a table leader and hanging out with some of y'all hearing your stories and uh, just being encouraged because many of you are absolutely incredible dads that love your kids. And um, that is, I guess, to say that there are some of you that don't and you aren't incredible dads. But um, uh, it has been awesome, really, just to get this off the ground and, and have the opportunity to kind of speak into uh, to what's going on in, in each of our lives and uh, investing in our kids. And so uh, this morning, the message kind of title is uh, Discipline for a Harvest of Righteousness, which comes out of uh, Hebrews 12, uh, verses 4 through 13, and really just focuses in on the idea and the truth that the Lord disciplines those he loves, and we as fathers then discipline our kids uh, because we love them, right? Uh, and so for me, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a punchline in itself just to say that I'm in my mid-30s, uh, I've got nine kids, I've got three grandkids, and I've parented more than 30 children, right? It's sort of a, where else do we need to go from there? But uh, about uh, three years ago, my wife and I had kind of the unique opportunity to travel the country for a year. And, uh, and so we rented out our 3,000 square foot house with seven bedrooms where kind of everybody had their own space to kind of run to. And we transitioned into uh, a 12 passenger van that was towing a 35 foot travel trailer. So about 3,000 square feet down to about 350 square feet, right? Uh, so this was, these were good times. Uh, and it wasn't so much the transition of like the sleeping quarters that we had to get over, right? We kind of worked that out. I mean, yes, we had to set up a pack and play every single night for our two-year-old. Um, and it wasn't so much like the eating area, although, you know, every time the smoke alarm went off, that's how you knew the meal was ready. Uh, so that was part of it. Uh, but there is no way for you to take one of those tiny little bathrooms and make it bigger, right? It's just not a high capacity, high volume type of situation. Uh, and we had like a whole family policy and everything. And so it was sort of a, hey, you need to do certain business. Then you go at kind of the public restroom uh, whenever you get there. But when you've got 10 people and it's the middle of the night, inevitably, and typically multiple times a month, it would be in the middle of the night and I'm fast asleep. And one of my kids would give me one of this. Hey, dad, my toilet's clogged again, right? And I'm so I get up and I get in there. And uh, if you've ever been around one of these little RV toilets, right, uh, they're, they're literally just big enough to sit on. They've got one of these little foot pedals that you kind of kick on. And, uh, and if you're going to clean up a mess and kind of get that free flowing again, uh, you're going to work from the front and from this end, but you're also going to have to go outside. Anybody kind of have an RV or know what this is like? Uh, it's an absolute mess. And if you don't deal with it, uh, then you are in for a load of trouble. And so I start with that uh, because disciplining our kids, I think when we kind of think about disciplining our kids and, and just the topic of discipline, we often think of just kind of the blocking and tackling type of tips and tricks for this. Um, however, uh, disciplining our kid re kids requires humility and sacrifice uh, that few of us really counted the cost for, right? Um, but if, if discipline and, and our role as dads is really more than just getting them to do what we want them to do, and is uh, about us making disciples of Christ, uh, then discipline has to be about us cultivating kind of the soil of our children's hearts and minds so that when the seeds of the gospel are planted, they don't just sprout, but they take deep roots, right? 
And so this morning we're going to talk about how you proactively discipline yourself and address kind of your own stuff um, so you're able to discipline your child because there's this epidemic really of, of passivity and prolonged adolescence that we're experiencing as dads uh, many times because nobody came alongside us. And so our children are kind of looking at us and going, is that what it looks like to be a dad? Is that what it looks like uh, to be a husband? And quite frankly, I've talked to a number of moms who have kind of gone, you know, it wasn't so much raising my kids that was difficult. It was the fact that I felt like I was also raising my husband uh, and bringing him along because we just weren't able to get on the same page. And so I want to share just really three principles this morning that kind of stem from three idols that I've found in my own heart as I've raised my kids and as I disciplined them. Um, so that we can take a look at our role as fathers and, uh, and also take a look as our, at our role as disciples as well. So first idol that, that uh, really came to mind for me that I continue to kind of unpack as I see this happening over and over and over again was the idol of experience. And, and what I mean by that is there are things that my grandfather passed on to my dad, that my dad passed on to me, that I'm now passing on to my kids. And the reality is we don't have to pass our scars on to our kids. Your father likely made mistakes and you've kind of maybe even come to grips with, well, like that's just how he was raised. And it's one thing uh, for that kind of generational cycle to continue. And it's another thing for me to see that passed on to my daughter and my grandkids, recognizing that all along the way, I could have done something to kind of step in. And so uh, my dad, while he was a great provider and in that way, I always knew that he loved me, uh, was also incredibly uh, distant and avoidant, almost uh, absentee where he was just kind of a, I'm just not into the things that you're into. And so I spent a lot of time in our driveway learning to play basketball, got to play a little bit of college basketball. I spent so much time in our driveway, but the entire time my dad was in the garage and he knew how to fix a car. He knew how to repair our house. And I kind of walked into adulthood and I certainly walked into fatherhood, not knowing any of that. And not really knowing how to bring my kids alongside me. And so uh, it was sort of this mindset of, uh, you know what, kid, you just kind of do whatever you're into. And I'm going to do whatever I'm into so that I can kind of fulfill my own agenda. And uh, and that really led to, for me, some passivity. Uh, And we wonder why our kids kind of come up alongside of like a, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. And they're pulling on our legs and they're pulling on our sleeves because they're, they're longing for our attention, our affection. And all the while, it's like, hey, kid, just like, go do your thing. Like, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm watching football or, uh, you know, I'm out working on whatever it is. And, and as the passage in Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And in our passivity, our children are going, why doesn't my dad want to spend time with me? And likewise, uh, I got this from my dad as well, where, where not only was there sort of this avoidance and dismissiveness to the point of passivity or even absenteeism in his fatherhood, uh, but he also passed on to this, this sort of like a, hey, when, whenever passivity has kind of reached its boiling point, it doesn't just kind of take a step up. It jumps up like 10 steps and turns into overreaction and heavy-handedness. And so... Uh, I, I developed that as well. And it wasn't really until um, my daughter, uh, who's now 14, when, when we started to kind of leave her, it's like, hey, you're old enough to watch your younger siblings now. Mom and I are going to go on a date or mom and I are going to go run some errands or just hang out together and just kind of 
reinvest in our marriage, um, that when we'd come home, our younger kids would be like, man, dad, she is so overbearing. She didn't let us have any fun. We didn't get to watch any movies. We didn't get to stay up late. We didn't get dessert. And she just kind of shouts us down. And at first I was kind of like, well, you know, she's the one that I've left in charge. And so I need you to respect her. And then as time continued on and I started to see it, I started to see myself. And I started to recognize, man, that is me. That is how I treated my 14-year-old daughter whenever she was three and five and eight. And, and my, my kind of, the way that that practically looked was uh, typically my kids would get in trouble, right? Uh, and, and I'd sweep in and, and be like, all right, let's fix this. And I'd send them to timeout. And so they'd be sitting on the stairs, they'd be standing by the door, they'd be in their room or whatever. And then I'd come into their room and and I'd start in on this long diatribe, right? About accountability or responsibility or respect or integrity. And I'm using all these big words that are like five syllables long because I got a college education. And, um, you know, and I'm making sure that they understand not, not that they've done, that they've just done something wrong. Uh, I'm making sure that they understand that I'm Right. And so I, I kind of have this posture of superiority as I tower over them. Uh, and I ultimately ask that question that we all ask, which is, do you understand me? Right? Do you understand me? So you've just kind of launched into this whole diatribe. And uh, do you understand me? And your kids are going, not really. <laughs> but if I don't say yes, sir, you're only going to be more mad. And as I've reflected on that, uh, just recognizing that that's a scar that my dad passed on to me. So what are your scars? What are the things you're passing on to your kids that you don't have to? Secondly, the, the idol of uh, experience obviously made an impact on my life from what my dad passed on to me. But the idol of expectation uh, is also one that, I, that I've continued to bump up against time and time again. Uh, and, and that is just to say that Your children's rebellion is certain. The fact is, is uh, Romans 3.23 is so easy to remember for other people, it's often hard to remember for ourselves, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's not just that we're raising sinners, it's that we're sinners raising sinners trying not to be sinners. And I find myself... um, really conflicted and and pulling into the driveway at the end of the day and kind of going, gosh, I just want to check out. I just want to kind of go in and set my stuff down and relax for a bit. I may even want to take a nap or just kind of zone out in front of the TV. In the meantime, my wife's kind of like, well, that's sweet and all, but I've been on the clock the entire time that you've been away and work's kind of become an escape for you. And so I need you to check in and be with me in this even until the point that our kids go to bed and sometimes even after that. And so if I could real quick, I just want to give you an illustration that will hopefully help kind of connect some dots in your mind. And so if you kind of hold your fist up like this and tuck your thumb in, okay, this is just an illustration of your child's developing brain and technically any human brain. All right. And at the base of the brain is what's called the brain stem. And it, it has all of the volu- involuntary functions that if you had to remember to tell yourself to do these things, you'd just fall over and die, right? Because you don't remember to tell yourself to breathe. You don't remember to tell your heart to beat. You don't 
check your blood pressure. Uh, you don't even maintain your body temperature. God has hardwired so many things into us that are just naturally occurring that, um, that that's where that's living. And it's the type of thing that's developed for our kids in utero. And so if you've got a kid that's real young and you're kind of like, gosh, man, they're bouncing off the wall and they're like one. Um, it may be that your wife had a really difficult pregnancy. Or it may be that your wife uh, was really stressed out or even had a cesarean section or something like that. Or there just was not a lot of calm and peace in your home in the first uh, year of life for your child. And so you may need to go back and repair some of that. Okay, uh, But up here, you've got what's known, if you want to impress your friends, uh, you've got what's known as the prefrontal cortex. All right, And it's where all the higher level reasoning and kind of um, problem solving and processing happens in the brain. And we all have this, but it only gets really hardwired into your brain until you're about 25 years old. So for those of you who are younger dads in here this morning, you're like, when am I ever going to have, have this all figured out? Just give it a few more years. You'll be there. Um, but for our kids, this does not get hardwired in. It's there. It's ready. It's potential. But what happens when they get stressed out or whenever they're afraid, they do this thing that we call flipping their lid. And they lose access. Have you ever noticed how your, your children, whenever they're upset and they're throwing at a tantrum, you can't reason with them? Or have you ever noticed that whenever you come in and you kind of fix things in the moment, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, we're just going to control this and squash this behavior, that oftentimes that behavior comes back up like a day later, and you're like, we just talked about this. We were literally talking about this yesterday. Do you not remember? The reason that our kids don't remember, the reason why our kids' behavior hasn't changed is because they're functioning out of this emotional center in their brain. That's sort of where the fight, flight, and freeze response lives. Uh, it, it's where anger and frustration. And, and so it's our role as dads when we discipline our kids uh, not just to go, look, you should be reasoning, you should be thinking through your actions and your choices, but for us to calm their hearts and minds back down so that they can reconnect and rewire some of those thoughts and those feelings and connect the two um, because we're not always going to be there, right? And I think maybe that's what's so frustrating about it for us is whenever we're there, they seem to do what's right. Uh, but whenever we're gone, they seem to just kind of fly off the handle. And so discipline, therefore, then is not illogically punitive, Right? It's not something, when you think about how God disciplines us, um, he didn't just create us and then send us away and go, figure it out, kid. What does he do? He walks alongside us, uh, and at just the right time, he sends us a savior, right? As Hebrews 4 says, a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, one who is able to say, look, I know what it's like to be tempted, I know what it's like uh, to be lonely and rejected. I know what it's like to be sad. And at the same time, we can focus about all the bad things, but I know what it's like to celebrate and how to show you how to experience joy. And then as Christ dies and is resurrected and ascends into heaven, he doesn't leave us alone even then. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. And he sends the Holy Spirit who's an advocate with us that we don't have to set up an appointment with to spend time with and kind of get his thoughts, right? He actually says the Holy Spirit will indwell you. It will abide in you. It will steward your conscience. 
In the same way, we as fathers have to lovingly be consequential in our discipline and walk alongside our kids. The last idol that um, I want to bring up, I, I think the one is most common for each of us, and it's the idol of ease. Because oftentimes what we bring into kind of the parenting or the fathering uh, experience is uh, sort of, a, I just want my child to be quiet, sort of that children should be seen and not heard mentality. Uh, or I just want this to be convenient. If they can't be quiet, then maybe at least it can be convenient to raise them because I've kind of got the stuff that I want to do and my agenda and my timeline. And discipline, man, it's, it just takes work and it just takes time. And the thing is, is, is when, we, when we're looking for our kids to obey or, or, or we're loving our children really to the point of just compliance or convenience for our own sake, um, it's not that our kids won't obey us right? You can get a child to obey you through submission and fear. And there are a lot of us that have kind of grown up in that, in that kind of lifestyle and in that kind of parenting paradigm. Um, but your child won't flourish. And again, when we think about how uh, Christ relates to us, he says in, in John 15, um, I, I don't consider you servants, like God didn't come looking for slaves. He came looking uh, for friends. He came looking for co-heirs. And I'm not promoting the idea of permissive parenting. I'm not promoting the idea that you're supposed to be friends with your kids. But at some point, your kids are going to grow up, and that relationship is going to look a little bit more like friends and co-heirs, Right? Like it always wigged me out whenever people were baptizing their kids when I, was, when I was a kid. And a dad would baptize his son or his daughter and he would say, I baptize you now, my brother, my sister in Christ. Um, this really connected for me uh, a few years back when I came home from work one day. My three-year-old was, uh, man, it's just been the joy of our life right? It's like the last kid. You kind of make all your mistakes with your older kids. And then by the time you get to the youngest one, you're kind of like, all right, we've, we know actually how to do this now. This is awesome. We can take the training wheels off and everything and just have a whole lot of fun. And, uh, and I came home from work one day, just absolutely worn out. Uh, it's just one of those days where you kind of, you barely make it in the door and you just drop everything at the door. You don't even walk it to your room or wherever it is that you kind of keep your stuff. And uh, I'm just like taking a deep breath and from the, living, from the living room, my three-year-old comes running, like dead sprint at me. He goes, Daddy, and jumps into my arms, and I pick him up, right? And I squeeze him tight, and we just hold each other for a minute. And then he leans back, and we both just kind of look at each other. Daddy, I was looking for you. I missed you. I was looking for you. I missed you. Oh, buddy. Man, I was looking for you too. And I missed you. And the thing is about a disciplined child is they long for the affection and attention of their father. And in just the same way, a disciplined father longs for the attention and affection of his child. 
And so kind of take us back and land the plane around my whole uh, traveling around the country RV experience. <laughs> so there were any number of opportunities, right, where I had to go and kind of clean that mess up. And there were lots of emergencies where I couldn't punt that to my wife and be like, hey, honey, why don't you take care of it this time, right? And so there are lots of times when I had to be the one that did the hard work of getting that clean, and I had to go in, and I'm up to my shoulders in just this absolute putrid mess. And I'm the one doing that hard work. And then there are other times that, that I'm the one doing hard work and going, hey, kids, <laughs> why don't you come along with Dad and let me train you how to clean this up together? Because if we don't address the filth that is going on in our own hearts and that's going on in the hearts and lives of our family, man, we end up with a real wreck. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll keep going with this morning. God, thank you for uh, really just the, the litany of experiences that you've given me to really refine my own heart and the own mess that I've created in my sinfulness and brokenness. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to disciple my kids and love them well and just walk alongside them as uh, they desire to know you and know their father and their creator, uh, but often need a model and somebody to train them up and pray for them and trust that you're going to be there. Uh, God, that you know them, you love them even more than I do. I look forward to continue to invest in these men and uh, their hearts and their desires to love and long for their children. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right, brother. Thank you. Yeah, let's come on up. Let me pull this here. Yeah. You think about that, man, the, uh, the RV scene. How many, how many days uh, was that, brother? It was a full year. Yeah. It was, uh, it was full on. <clears throat> Which I take it is materially different than a uh, weekend down to the beach. Um, <laughs> and so, you guys good up there? Okay. We'll get, you're a little bit dark. That's right. Um, so, uh, brought, Wes kind of curated this panel and uh, gave you uh, two other dads that he uh, just, I, I know and I respect as well, but wanted you to hear uh, from them. And so, guys, I, I, he actually wrote uh, bios on you. Let me, uh, let me read that real quick. So, uh, here is uh, my friend Matt McEwen. I know Matt, but let me just read uh, what Wes wrote. So, Matt and Sonia have been married for 26 years, have three kids. Uh, AK is 16, Lily is 14, and Jep is 12. One of the McEwen's um, family's core values is to be others-focused and serve uh, others' interests uh, before their own, and I've seen that in practice. Uh, in addition to the hectic family, uh, school, sports, and work schedule, Matt and Sonia are heavily invested in Watermark's marriage ministry, Reengage, um, and their two older children serve in starting blocks. And then uh, to Matt's left is uh, Scott, and so Scott and Julie have been married uh, 21 years and have three kids, Jason's 15, Allison's 13, Paige is 11. And the kids stay busy with schools, uh, sports bands, and other activities. And as a family, they love game nights, movie nights, and any time spent camping, hiking, uh, or up in the mountains. And uh, Scott and Julie have been around since the very, very beginning at Watermark. And uh, so it's been fun to watch you uh, raise your family here. So, uh, guys, let's go through that outline uh, that Wes, or the, sorry, guy that Bruce uh, kind of presented and start kind of with the, the first one there, talking about kind of our experiences and uh, how that could be a good thing or a bad thing and what we want to make sure that we don't uh, just passively repeat. So, Scotty, do you have some thoughts on kind of your upbringing? And uh, yeah, you want a mic? You could do that. There you go. You can take that one. You're hot. That's good. Can you guys hear? Good. Yeah. Go ahead. Buddy. All right. Well, good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming this morning, guys. I know it was cold and dark and early, so three tough combinations for getting out of bed and come here and talk about discipline. So 
Um, similar to what Bruce was saying, you know, my coming into parenting, my dad was raised on a farm by a father who kind of came out of the Great Depression. My dad was an ex-Marine. So my growing up, my dad's a teddy bear now, but as a kid, I feared him. It was very much, you'll do what I say when I say because I said. So, um, and then kind of the way I learned parenting at the beginning was a little bit of this uh, all the way, right away with a happy heart, first time obedience, you know, I'm going to say it and it's going to be yes, father, no father. And uh, our story, a couple of our kids come from adoption. So that's not necessarily conducive to that, you know, because I said so, uh, and I'm going to respond with a happy heart. And um, so I can vividly remember parenting, and this is something I really had to work through, where I'd be dealing with kind of like Bruce said this, you know, the, the top has flown off and we're, we're, didn't realize this at the time, but, you know, kind of whoppering out of the brainstem. And, um, and I'm trying to deal with this. And I can just, I had this picture in my head of my, my dad and my grandfather sitting in the room going, are you going to let him get away with that? Are you going to put up with that? And so it would just, it, in my own mind, I'm amping myself up like, there's no way. I mean, so I would kind of come over the top instead of up from the bottom. And so I really had to kind of learn, I had to recognize that at first. And it took me a long time to really figure out, this is what's going on in my mind. And I'm, it was an unfair and inaccurate characterization of my dad, because that was not necessarily how he did it. But I, you know, how we can all kind of take our childhood memories and twist them a little bit to like kind of fit the narrative we want to have. But that's what I was thinking was, man, I'm a wimp. I mean, if I put up with this, my dad never would have put up with that for me. He had to take me out of the backyard and beat me which you never did, by the way. But I mean, that was kind of what I was thinking. So that really, I had to unwind that. So that idea of the scars, I came in and that, it wasn't necessarily a scar, but it was kind of this, this is how I should parent. I should be the authoritarian figure. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up necessarily close to my dad. I'm close to him now, but uh, that was, it was something I had to confront and, good. and address. That's really good. That's good. Okay. So just rather than just kind of passively repeating um, the script that we've seen or that was uh, given to us, I and mean, it was good enough for me, it's good enough for my kids uh, kind of thing, just maybe really, really thoughtful. I'm going to discipline my kids. Is this what I, what I functionally and like in my core believe is the right thing for my kids? Or am I just hitting repeat uh, on, on what I heard? Okay. And um, you you're responsible for your kiddos, not, not uh, what happened to you or the way that your, your folks uh, parented you. Really, really solid. So, Matt, you, you're talking about experiences. You and Sonia had very different ones and uh, had to kind of navigate that. Yeah, let me start with a disclaimer, too. To sit up here in a panel, talk about parenting and discipline. I mean, sure enough, on the news at 5 o'clock today, my 12-year-old could be on the news for Jack and McGee's car, right? And uh, um, we're all just one step away from humility as parents, right? Um, so kind of the opposite of Scott, I, I'm the youngest of four. There's a 10-year gap between my, my oldest brother and myself. And so by the time that I came around, um, my parents kind of set three rules for me. You know, play sports, be nice, and make okay grades, right? And if you hit those three metrics, the world is yours, man. Just roll with it, right? And so, um, you know, I, I say this is that, you know, I, I, I was parented in those areas um, pretty loosely, right? And so I, I made the world mine as what was defined around me at that, at that point in my life, and I did not make good choices. And so I didn't really have a plan moving into it. And so I, I married an amazing woman who's just well-read and studies scripture and, and just has a plan for everything. And when we came in and finally, after many years of marriage, had kids, um, I brought the same 
experiences into my parenting plan, and my parenting plan is real simple. I didn't have one, right? And so I'd come in, as Bruce said, from work, and she had read four books that day on parenting and discipline and shepherding your child's heart, and et cetera. And I'd come in and just undo everything she had done that day, right? I guess the best analogy would be Dak Prescott, right, showing up, and he, he doesn't practice one bit with, with his team. He doesn't read a playbook. He's standing at the line of scrimmage, and every play he, he, that's, he calls out, he's calling an audible, right? And he's making the play up every single time. And his offensive line, they're, they're exhausted, right? They're exasperated, Ephesians 6, 4, um, because they don't know what the heck to expect. What's this guy gonna do now at this next moment? And really, that was me, just bringing that in, not being intentional, not being a student of my role as being a parent um, with that. And, you know, back it up a little bit, too. That being said, too, I'll tell you guys, um, a big regret that I have just in my upbringing is that um, when I needed my mom and dad to lean in the most for me, which is really, I'd say, starting in eighth grade, that's when they gave me the most freedom that I wasn't able to handle, right? I, I needed them at that point to lean in hard on me, to love me and disciple me. Love it, love it. Um, one thing I think about, I, I don't know if you can still remember um, just being disciplined by your parents. I, mean, I, I can still remember uh, some really, really harsh uh, disciplines I took as a kid, like when I'm like six and seven, right? I'm a 45-year-old man, and I was driving in this morning going, I remember, I mean, I remember some of the beatings uh, that I took, right, uh, 40, 40 years ago. And your kiddos are going to remember as well uh, the way that you disciplined them, okay? And we're, we're commanded. We're commanded to discipline our children. That, that's a fact. Um, but uh, we're not to exasperate them or, in most translations, provoke them to anger, right? We're not to provoke them to anger. And we're supposed to do so out of a relationship. And I, one thing that's been really helpful for me as a dad is to think about the model of God, like in, in all things. Uh, but I think about like rules um, and uh, uh, Exodus 20, right? Here come the, uh, the Ten Commandments, right? You know, can't have any other gods and don't take the Lord's name in vain, all those kind of things. And right before that, before he gives them the rules, and says, this is how it's going to go, uh, guys. He reminds them, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I've been walking with you, guys. I have loved you actively. Okay, now, here's the rules. And I will bet you, uh, most of you guys go, if, I, if there's the dial of discipline and the dial of relationship uh, growing up in my family, that relationship dial did not uh, set where it should have. Okay, discipline, you know, dad was like a 10 or a zero. Um, and, uh, and most of us didn't have the relationship that the discipline came out of. And that's something you can absolutely change, right? Those aren't mutually exclusive. They are one and the same, a relationship and discipline, right? Proverbs 3, uh, is it, uh, uh, 13, um, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so you need to be thinking about the tactics and, and how, you, how you can discipline. You also have to think about the relationship that that comes out of. Um, that, that is something you have maximum control over. Probably wasn't modeled well uh, for you, and that's why this, uh, this environment with other men, uh, your community group, all those kind of things is a way. How, like, how do you do that? How do you love a kiddo and discipline him? And, um, and I'll bet you we didn't have good models. We didn't have good expectations, but we can change it. 
Okay, we're not victims. Uh, we, can, we, can, uh, we can quarterback and shepherd our own uh, families, okay? So expectations, guys. Uh, Bruce, you talked about just the whole uh, brain. We gave us a, um, you know, you want brain anatomy uh, on us. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> so uh, talk to us uh, about, like, practically how that yeah. shows up in your, uh, uh, in your parenting with your kiddos. Yeah, so, so early on, especially because we had children from trauma, and so trauma kind of would spin up anger a lot faster, and uh, there was often more of it. Uh, but it just highlighted kind of my response. And so often, like, my response would be like that swift justice, like, all right, we're going to the room, and I'd go grab, you know, a wooden spoon or, a, you know, something. And, um, you know, we'd get in there, and, and, you know, I would just be furious. And it was almost like this, uh, this kind of threat. And I don't know what, like, kind of spun me up and made me so angry. Is that was always a question, kind of walking out of like, man, why was I so angry? Um, but, but, as time went on, we, we recognized that just spanking while it worked, it, it didn't work in the way that we wanted it to. Um, and so uh, we, we kind of weaned ourselves off of it to the point even now that when I'm like, I reach the end of my rope and I'm going, you know what this kid needs? Um, and my wife's like, nope, that's not what he needs. <laughs> and just kind of pauses me in that moment. Uh, and so a lot of what we've done, practically speaking, has been uh, focused around just the issue of proximity. Is like typically our kids are misbehaving whenever they're far away from us. And even the idea of timeout and like placing them somewhere else to think about it means that they don't have somebody to kind of have calmness and um, reasoning and those types of things modeled for them. Uh, and it's actually harder as a dad whenever a kid's misbehaved to go, you know what? You don't need to go away. You don't need to go to your room. You need to stand right here next to me and just stay here for a long time, <laughs> right? And just work with that kid or just kind of have that kid be present with you. Um, another thing that we noticed was just how distant we were because when you're angry, it's sort of like a, I only think I'm going to physically hurt my child. I'm not going to be physically comforting towards them. Uh, and there was a, a specific example where our older son got revved up about something. And I remember reaching out and just kind of touching him on the arm. And he kind of flinched because he was, he was expecting, like, <laughs> abuse. Um, he was expecting, you know, that physical discipline. And I just kind of reached out and touched him on the arm and went, Hey, bud, like, I don't know what's going through your mind or heart right now, but I'm not here to hurt you. I'm on your team. Like, we're in this together. Uh, and so... Let me help you. And I think as dads, like we're really discouraged from being touchy-feely. Like we're good at the whole wrestling thing. And if you're not, get good at it. Um, but like our kids thrive whenever we're physically interacting with them. But when it comes to discipline, we're only known for hurting them um, as opposed to being comforting. Uh, and then the last one that, that uh, we continue to come up against is like our kids would come in from outside and there'd be this kind of crazy bickering fight. And... Uh, you know, we kind of look around and be like, I don't know that any of you are really doing anything wrong other than just being unkind and, and kind of redirect them, uh, typically with like food or drink or a snack of some kind where it's like a, y'all just look hangry. I don't like, if you've ever been like hungry and angry or hot and angry, you kind of put those together, you get hangry. Um, and I get that way. And my wife would be like, do you, do you just need a drink? And I'm like, you know what? I, Yes, yes, I do. That would help tremendously. Uh, when you drink, you mean like water? Is like, yeah, 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 or, yeah, yeah. Um, I assumed. I didn't know those guys. 
and so, yeah, it's just sort of one of those deals that uh, just helps kind of redirect the entire environment and reset the stage okay. so that everybody can kind of get back on the same page again as like a, hey, weren't we just outside trying to have fun or weren't we just playing a game together? Uh, and just people just got crossed because somebody was unkind, because somebody, you know, said something in a tone that, that wasn't considerate, uh, or just somebody thought their thing was more important than somebody else's. And uh, it's our role to step into that and just be present um, and not necessarily feel like, you know, we've got to part the seas so that we can keep everybody separated, but really bring people together. That's good. And so many good things in there. And just, just remember that your kid, kiddos' brains are not formed uh, yet, okay? So if you ever find yourself going like, dude, like use your brain, or like, or is it not, you know, uh, is it not all hooked up yet? And, and the answer is no, it's not, okay? And uh, they can't reason the way you can. And so some of the things that they're going to do is just, uh, it's because it's not all like, you know, uh, wired up yet. The house is still, like, think about a house. This is a helpful metaphor. Think about a house that's still being framed. And you wouldn't expect the same things out of that house that you would <clears throat> something that's called, all built out and here's the keys. And that's kind of what's going on in a, in a kiddo's uh, head. And uh, so they will do really dumb things uh, at times. And it's because, uh, it's not because they're, um, they're dumb or they're disobedient, but they don't, they're not using uh, all of it. That's, that's just a fact, okay? And there's heart issues uh, as well. And then the proximity thing is really cool. Uh, man, I always sent my kids away and, uh, or, you know, to have them just calm down. Uh, I remember, did your dad ever play this trick? Like if we would go um, in the mall <clears throat> and I was just, you know, being a hellion, you know, tearing up the place, I would have to put my hand in his pocket and walk around the mall. Anyone else? Am I the only one? And it was like, dude, the ultimate walk of shame. You know, you're walking down the mall like with your, with your dad like that. So uh, that was proximity that was like embarrassing and hurtful. Uh, but man, that's a, that's a really cool idea. Hey, like I'm, I'm really, you, you big, big foul, buddy. Um, you violated, I think God's rules, our rules. I want you here. And uh, which is, uh, it's a big, that, that would mirror the heart of God. Uh, whatever that looks like for you. So, um, Matt, um, thoughts on um, just that, the way kids think and how to uh, distinguish, you know, what is um, uh, your your words, I'll tee it up for you, uh, foolishness or uh, disobedience. You want to talk about that? Great, great. So, uh, um, before I jump into that, just just a a, a good tip, and this is not going to work for high school or elementary dads, but for the younger ones, um, that proximity is really good. We called it self-control set time. Right, and so you've got a two-year-old or a three-year-old that's spinning out, right? And and they would love to go to their room. Go away, right? Sure, glad to. Nope, we're gonna sit right here, but you're gonna fold your hands right in front of you, right? And you're gonna get control of yourself and sit there and you could be mad or crying, but we're gonna get this under control and you're gonna do it right in front of us or while we're in the area here, guys. And it, it just had a calming effect of that for that age. Now, you can't tell a 16-year-old self-control sit time, right? Um, but that, that is a good tip for uh, those with younger kids. So uh, to, to your question, John, I mean, yeah, what we learned also, I found myself uh, confusing uh, childishness versus foolishness, okay? Uh, here's an example. Back when our, 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 one of our kiddos was three years old and I said, hey, AK, you know, don't carry your milk cup across the kitchen floor, okay, to, uh, across the kitchen. Um, and she does it and spills her milk um, versus, let's just say, I never make that, give her that, that command or that order, and she just does it to walk to the kitchen table and she spills her milk. 
it's the same result, right? Milk's been spilt, but one of those events is foolishness. The other's childishness, right? We can't expect a three-year-old to walk and carry a cup, a cup of whatever and not spill it at some point in time. But one of those was childishness, meaning a three-year-old's gonna spill milk. The other was foolishness. That is, she just disobeyed my order for her not to carry the cup of milk. Now, I'm not gonna lean in on her and train her through discipline in the event that she was childish, right? Unless she's characterized by doing that over and over again, we're gonna work for it, find a way to train that. But in the other environment, I told her not to do that, right? I asked her not to, and I gave her a reason why, because you're gonna spill your milk, and she did it anyways. Now, that's disobedience. That'd be my role, my, my, my flesh is gonna say, let's just clean that up, sweetheart, and let's, let's not do that again. Um, you go off and play. My role as a parent is to say, hey, you disobeyed dad. I asked you not to do this. Here's the reason why. Now here's the consequence. A big saying in our household, you're you're free to make your choices. You're not free to choose your consequences, right? Our our amazing 16-year-old, remember when she was four years old, said, daddy, stop choicing me, right? Stop, Stop telling me this over and over again, right? She made a choice, here's the consequence, whatever that is in your family. <laughs> That's solid. Okay, so that is, that is a pro tip that will save uh, you so much um, just heartache, I think, and your kiddo's heartache, is just to be able to distinguish, hey, was this just like childishness? Right? Kids will break stuff. They absolutely will, right? Uh, or they will forget things or, or whatever. And then there is the willful disobedience. And you handle both of those very, very differently. You can still give, you can actually still give consequences for uh, just childishness or just being for and being clumsy or, you know, there's some things, you, you know, uh, irresponsibility, but that's very different than a willful disobedience. And make sure you don't discipline all of those uh, the same. And a lot of times you'll do so out of anger. You're sitting at dinner, everything's set, poof, here comes the milk, right? Um, and you just, you know, go to your room. I mean, come on, man. The dude's arms are growing, you know, and that was like, that's, that was closer than it was uh, last week. And he's, you know, that, that, that's not the same as like, dad, you know, uh, take that. that that's, very, that's, very, that's very different, okay? And uh, so just make sure in your own anger that you, you distinguish the two. Um, make sure you don't do, do so because you're embarrassed. Right? You ever go out in public and your kid does something and you're like, it's just childishness, but man, that embarrassed me, and so now I'm going to take it out on this poor little guy, right? Um, that God, God wouldn't do that um, to you, and thank God He doesn't uh, thrash us uh, every time uh, we do something and we make a you know inadvertent mistake. Don't do that to your kids, and be able to distinguish out uh, what's going on. Uh, edit out your anger, edit out any embarrassment uh, you have, and then move into uh, that situation, okay? So uh, last, last kind of uh, topic you gave us, uh, Bruce, was just um, uh, this whole idea of like ease. And, um, you know, we, we, I think a lot of us, <clears throat> we're going to gravitate either towards a passivity or to a harshness. And uh, you were speaking a lot to the, to the guys that uh, were just kind of saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm moved towards the ease. And so, Scotty, you've, you've had, I mean, you've got, Three very different kids, uh, you know, 
would have been easy just to throw your hands up and say, let's let this thing uh, roll out as it, uh, as it happens. But you guys have engaged in that, so just kind of lessons learned. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of ours is kind of a trauma-based uh, challenges. And so, you know, again, I came at it the way I described earlier, and I really, what we've had to yeah, learn. Pull your mic up just I'm a little bit. Yeah, what we've had to learn is kind of seek to understand what's really going on when there's misbehavior, what's really going on beyond basic needs or a sin nature. You know, is it shame-driven? Is it anxiety? Is it insecurity? What are the issues that are underneath it? Um, and so we've we kind of had to pivot to a real connection-based approach to parenting. And so one of the things we've we've learned is kind of this four-tier, uh, kind of a foundation, connect, coach, and correct. So you you don't correct until you've connected. So for us, the found, the foundation is you're safe. So no matter what's going on, you're safe with me. I'm not. Dad can own his own emotions. I can handle this. I'm not going to flip out. I'm not going to match the intensity. Um, and then connecting is, is you're loved, and then you're capable, and then you're responsible. So just it, that's helped me to kind of have that paradigm of starting, and, and it just begins with you're safe. And you know, with something going on at school, something with a sibling, disrespect to a parent, this isn't going to be about me and my need for control. And I realized early, or not early, not early enough, I realized so much of me was control. I wanted to have control. And when I didn't feel like I had control was when I got really anxious. Um, so using that strategy has helped us. Another acronym we have is, is PLACE, and we learned it from somebody else. It's playfulness, love, acceptance, curiosity, and empathy. So as I can use those five things when I'm dealing with a difficult situation with my kids, how am I doing with being playful? And, and none of this is it abdicating my role and my position of authority. But if I'm coming from an authoritative top down, you know, it's kind of like mowing over the weeds as opposed to getting them from the root. If all I want to do is mow over weeds, that's a job that I got to do every Saturday. Okay. Um, so that playfulness. So for me, what that looks like is when there's escalated situations, um, I would notice that my, I would adopt a, a kind of a body language of standing over them and my voice would elevate. And so I kind of learned to, I'd sit on the floor. I would literally sit down on the floor. I would talk sometimes barely above a whisper. So the kids kind of had to lean in like, what's dad saying? Um, and it would be kind of that idea of get low and go slow. And so asking questions, kind of like, a, hey, I noticed when this happened, you know, this was a response. What's up? So kind of an open-ended instead of defend yourself, answer for your behavior. Um, and so those have been really helpful. And, you know, there's a verse, Proverbs 15, one, uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's one we've always used in our house. Proverbs 16, 21 says, the wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. And another way, another translation says, gracious words are persuasive. So we think about our parenting, you know, it's as we shift from control to influence, what I want is now that my kids are getting older, it's, it's not about control. And a lot of you guys are way ahead of me on this. It's about influence. And so gracious words are persuasive. And that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to persuade my kids, not you have to do it because dad demands it. Uh, you can do that for a while until you can't. Um, so what are gracious words? They're kind, compassionate, gentle. Um, now, again, not abdicating the role, and this isn't a permissive parenting idea, yeah. but what am I trying to accomplish? Yeah. 
I'm not trying to accomplish control. I'm trying to accomplish raising kids to be godly Christ followers. That's good. Okay. So, uh, so when you think about the opposite of ease, you're probably thinking, man, like get in there and have some harsh punishment. It's got to say, no, it was like the, the opposite of ease was me getting engaged with my kids and sitting down on the ground. So he's got three kids who are very, very different. Each one need to be, uh, I think I know which kid you're talking about uh, with that. And just sitting down uh, with them is the, was the best strategy uh, for them. Okay. Uh, something while, while you were talking, um, Scotty, just to remember how much bigger you are than your kids. A lot of you guys have little kids in the room and they come like this high right? You know, and you're ever around someone who's like, um, you know, seven foot and how it, that's like unsettling uh, to you, right? Imagine, imagine if you were around someone who was twice as tall as you are, 12 foot tall, and they're mad at you, Yeah. right? <laughs> Dude, what would that be like, okay? And so, um, so you don't, like, that's a neutral. Like, you don't have to, like, try to intimidate your kiddos. You, that's probably just how that's going to go. And so just keep that in mind. Like, you don't want to intimidate your kids. You have to discipline them. You do, absolutely. Um, but, man, just, just realize that the sheer terror of, uh, you know, a little guy that's this, this high, he's looking up at you. And, uh, I mean, you know, your biceps, you might as well, you know, be Mr. Universe uh, to him, and you're, if you're mad, uh, that's a pretty scary place to be. And you could still, but you could still uh, get on the floor or whatever. I, I, had, I never like whispered, uh, but I remember talking to my kids and going, hey, you know, here, here's, here's how this is going to go down. And I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not taking it out on you, but I do think this is the most loving thing to do, uh, which is really helpful. So um, Bruce, you talked about a couple things. I think humility uh, was one of them. Yeah. Just kind of that last bit. So other kind of parting thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, I really drill down on that humility and sacrifice piece because I, so many of us kind of, even as we've talked about today, we've talked about uh, discipline from a point of reaction um, rather than uh, from being proactive. Uh, and so even when we think about that kind of brain map kind of illustration of how God's wired us, it's like, could you imagine if, uh, if we did such an incredible job in disciplining our children that we always discipline them on the front end to make the right choice rather than to uh, work out kind of the wrong choices? Because I think the questions that our kids are asking, kind of back to what Scott was saying, is, you know, n- not just am I safe and am I loved, but am I capable um, and so much of that childishness that comes out in our kids is that just am I, cap- like, am I able to do this without dad or am I able to do this without mom? Um, and, and when they go off and make that mistake, we find ourselves just like, no, you're not capable. You're not able to do it without me. Um, and, and our kids are, are longing to, to, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a kid like bring you something. I think we've all had this, right, where they create something and they're like, dad, look, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I created. Look what I made. Look what I fixed. Look what I built, right? If you've ever done Legos with your kid and it's like they build some monstrosity and you're like, that's junk. That is trash, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and yet you never say that, right? Every single time you go, man, that is awesome. What is it, <laughs> right? Um, and so just helping build in that capacity to your kids, but it absolutely starts with you. Every single time, it starts with your humility and your sacrifice and your willingness to put in the time, not just do what's convenient, not just do what's simple, not just do what, what your, your dad did and, and so on and so forth, uh, but to do the hard work of discipline and, uh, and get after it on the front. Love it. Love it. You got one, one quick thing? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want to take your closing, but guys, just um, 
you know, we've got, what, 25 minutes up here? There's no way. <laughs> Between Bruce's talk and our, our time up here, we can talk through all the aspects of discipline, yeah. right? Um, Sonia and I have been plugged into marriage ministry for years, and various aspects emerge, lots of re-engage groups, right? I'd say one very consistent theme, a problem we see uh, when couples are coming in is that um, there is a, a lack of leadership, in many cases, from the guy around the area of parenting, right, leading out. Let's see for you guys, just if there's, if there's a takeaway um, in this, really, I know there's some single dads out there, but for you guys that are, that are, are, um, are married, just sit down in the very near future, just with your bride and say, hey, what areas do we need to shore up, right, in, in raising our kiddos? Um, where can we help train their character, and we train character through discipline, right, and get, getting you and your spouse on the same page, right? Back in our story up many years ago, I'd say 15 years ago, when I did that and put the time into doing that and meeting with older, wiser guys, or even guys like McGee that have older kids, although younger than I am, um, that's when my leadership flipped in the household. And when, what's a big rock in the jar that really helped me um, in many areas lead my family well. So I just encourage you guys around that space today too. That's good. Yep. That lean in, get help with others. Uh, if you guys would, uh, please thank these men uh, for being up here this morning. Awesome, thanks. Hey, let me just give you um, the, these moments, these discipline moments, um, the, the actual moment of, um, is a, those are unique opportunities. Not all moments are created equal in your day. And so uh, I'll just give you something you can put in your back pocket and you can use it whenever you want. Um, there was a, it was a Saturday afternoon and uh, we have two girls, two boys, uh, two boys. Uh, they had done something. I don't remember what it was, but it was, a, it was a, a big one. Like one of those big offenses. They were about to get it. I was about to give it to them kind of deal. There's the tension in the house. And so they're in their room uh, waiting for, you know, uh, the judge and jury to, to walk in and, and, uh, and meet out the discipline. And... Um, and they're like, dude, they're like panic stricken. Like, this is not going to go uh, well for us. And so I walk in, I said, hey, guys, uh, do you guys know what mercy is? You know, and they're like looking at me like, dude, don't like interrogate us and then discipline us. Like, you know, just do whatever you're going to do. Like, to, you know, Jesus said, whatever you do, do quickly. Like, they just want to get this over with. And, uh, and I said, hey, uh, mercy is when you, uh, when you don't get something you deserve. And so right now, you guys know you deserve some pretty serious consequences. I'm going to give you mercy. And then my eyes just like lit up. Like, are you serious? You know, we get off scot-free. Yep. Hey, do you guys know what grace is? And they're like, no, the, the, everything's changed. Like in, instead, of, instead of like terror, uh, there's anticipation. Grace, no, what's grace, Dad? That's getting something we don't deserve. And so guys, put your shoes on. We're going to Brahms, right? And, uh, and so we went, we went to Brahms and got the double scoop and just sat there and we just talked about uh, just how like mind-blowing uh, God's grace was to us, right? That we had done, we've all done some really horrendous things that would deserve, um, you know, pretty, pretty serious consequences. And instead we get mercy. And then on top of that, not only does he not, not execute his justice on us, he gives us grace. And so, man, they're sitting there. And it was, it was, it was just a great moment, right? And so the next time, uh, whatever the egregious offense was, I remember walking in there and they're like, Dad, we want mercy, you know. So, hey, guys, today's lesson is on justice, you know. Uh, and so that, there'll be a time you can use that. Uh, just put that in your back pocket there, okay? Um, so in, end of all this, again, the idea is a harvest of righteousness. 
That's what we're not. We're not trying to have well-behaved kids. We're not trying to, um, you know, create kids that don't embarrass us in public. We want kids who love God and love others. That's what we're driving at. Okay. This isn't about you and people's perception of you as a dad. It's not. Don't make it. Okay. Uh, and so you're going to have to do some hard things. You're going to have to use a lot of creativity, a lot of leadership uh, acumen here, the way you would solving some other problem at your work, okay, um, to produce a, a harvest of righteousness. And all your kids are so different. That's the, the frustrating thing about this is a playbook that works really, really well with one kid to, won't with, it, with the next. And so I'll close with this. And um, uh, we've got one who's in college now. And when he was, uh, when he was 16, um, we were watching some entitlement kind of creep in. It wasn't materially different than a lot of his friends, but we were watching it uh, go. The, the, the scene is I took him on a big trip with his friends, and I mean, I'm just throwing out, we're swiping the credit card left and right. Never said thanks, like ever, like the whole time. And, uh, and I'm just furious, you know, and I just said, you know what, I've got a special moment with my, my son. I'm not going to wreck it and go postal on him. Uh, I'm going to wait. I got back. I was still mad. Talked with Pam and had got my wits about me. And I said, you know, we said, you know, he does. He does have an issue with entitlement. And we need to address it, like a pretty significant issue. And, um, and so basically... I mean, a long story short, I could tell you, I actually wrote this out because I know this kid and he would twist the words on me <laughs> at the time. And I wrote it out and affirmed our love for him, told him exactly what we were seeing and said, here, bud, here's how this is going to go. And, um, and we basically cut, took him off the payroll in our family and said, hey, you're, you're a member of our family. You always have somewhere to eat or somewhere, somewhere to sleep and something to eat. That, that's it done. Anything other than that is you, big guy. And so if you want to drive your car, your insurance costs this much. You will put a check on the uh, on a counter at the beginning of the, uh, the month for this. If you want your cell phone, um, it costs this much. And it's your cell phone. We gave it to you. That's yours. You don't have to give it back. But if you don't uh, want to use service, then uh, uh, I'm not paying for it. You have to put this much on there. And we just gave him a menu. It's like, this is what it costs to be you, dude, and to, uh, to, to live. And so you tell us, and, uh, and, and he got a job. And he was up at 6 a.m. Uh, working in a warehouse uh, with no AC uh, with guys who hadn't fi finished high school. And, uh, and you know, it was, which was really, really funny. He's like, Dad, you keep telling me to finish school. I'm going to finish school. I don't want to end up in that warehouse, you know. Um, and, man, I, I'll just tell you, and, and we didn't like, we weren't like taking it out on him or giving him a hard time um, and told him we were proud of the way he was working and all those kind of things. And, uh, and at the end of the summer, we said, hey, bud, you're good, man. Like, you know, no more checks needed. Uh, I think we ripped up the last ones. And I, 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 see, I see God uh, changing that entitlement. There's a heart of gratitude uh, now. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, a month later, I said, hey, tell me what you thought about that. He goes, dude, that was terrible. He actually used much different words uh, than that. But uh, he let me know he didn't like it. Uh, but he said, that was the right thing to do, man. That totally was. And that kid, I kid you not, that kid is the most thankful kid uh, we have. He's so grateful, man. Anything, Dad, thank you so much, man. That was amazing. Here's dinner, movie, anything. Thank you. Like he's got a heart of gratitude. And that, at, at your best days, and it'll, it'll you know, that's, that's one of the, the highlights there. But that's, the, that's the, the harvest of righteousness you're going after, right? Not taking it out on your kid and punishing him for being a jerk and being... Um, being entitled, you're saying, I'm trying to drive at 
a harvest of righteousness. I want this kid to love God and love others more. I want her to be obedient. And to be obedient um, to God is to have a heart of gratitude. And it's a way you love people is not be entitled. Okay? That's what all this is at, uh, about. Uh, don't forget that. Don't make this about you. And pray for God's grace uh, and, and help. Turn, let's turn to the tables and talk about uh, some of this here. There will be some questions uh, on the table. Okay, thanks, guys.